This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Corrie Samuel. The Junior Classics, Volume 1 by William Patton. Chapter 2 Why the Woodpecker Has Red Head Feathers. Adapted from H. R. Schoolcroft. When his wounds had all been cured, by his grandmother's skill in medicine, Manabozho, as big and sturdy as ever, was ripe for new adventures. He set his thoughts immediately upon a war excursion against the Pearl Feather, a wicked old Manito, living on the other side of the great lake, who had killed his grandfather. He began his preparations by making huge bows and arrows without number, but he had no arrow-heads. At last his grandmother, Noko, told him that an old man, who lived at some distance, could furnish him with some, and he sent her to get them. Though she returned with her wrapper full, he told her that he had not enough, and sent her again for more. In the meanwhile he thought to himself, I must find out the way of making these heads. Instead of directly asking how it was done, he preferred, just like Manabozo, to deceive his grandmother, in order to learn what he wanted by a trick. Noko, said he, while I take my drum and rattle, and sing my war-songs, do you go and try to get me some larger heads, for these you have bought me are all of the same size. Go and see whether the old man is not willing to make some a little larger." He followed her at a distance as she went, having left his drum at the lodge, with a great bird tied at the top, whose fluttering wings should keep up the drum-beat, the same as if he was standing there beating the drum himself. He saw the old workman busy, and learned how he prepared the heads. He also beheld the old man's daughter, who was very beautiful. Manabozho discovered for the first time that he had a heart of his own, and the sigh he heaved passed through the arrow-maker's lodge like a young gale of wind. "'My, how it blows!' said the old man. "'It must be from the south, though,' said the daughter. "'It is so fragrant!' Manabozho slipped away, and in two strides he was at home, shouting forth his songs, as though he had never left the lodge. He had just time to untie the bird, which had been beating the drum, when his grandmother came in, and gave him the big arrow-heads. In the evening the grandmother said, "'My son, you ought to fast before you go to war, as your brothers do, to find out whether you will be successful or not.' He said he had no objection. Having privately stored away, in a shady place, in the forest, two or three dozen juicy bears, a moose, and twenty strings of the tenderest birds, he would retire from the lodge so far as to be entirely out of view of his grandmother, and fall to, and enjoy himself heartily. At nightfall, having dispatched a dozen birds, and half a bear or so, he would return tottering and forlorn, as if quite famished, 
so as to make his grandmother feel sorry for him. When he had finished his term of fasting, in the course of which he slyly dispatched twenty fat bears, six dozen birds, and two fine moose, Manabozho sung his war-song, and embarked in his canoe, fully prepared for war. Besides his weapons, he took along a large supply of oil. He travelled rapidly, night and day, for he had only to will or speak, and the canoe went. At length he arrived in sight of the fiery serpents, and stopped to study them. He noticed that they were of enormous length, and of a bright colour, that they were some distance apart, and that the flames which poured forth from the mouths reached across the pass. So he said good morning, and began talking with them in a very friendly way. They were not to be deceived, however. "'We know you, Manabozho,' they said. "'You cannot pass!' Turning his canoe, as if about to go back, he suddenly cried out with a loud and terrified voice, "'What is that behind you?' The serpents, thrown off their guard, instantly turned their heads, and in a moment Manabozho glided silently past them. "'Well,' said he softly, after he had got by, "'how about it?' He then took up his bow and arrows, and with deliberate aim shot every one of them easily, for the serpents were fixed to one spot, and could not even turn around. Having thus escaped the sentinel serpents, Manabozho pushed on in his canoe, until he came to a part of the lake called Pitchwater, as whatever touched it was sure to stick fast. But Manabozho was prepared with his oil, and rubbing his canoe freely with it, from end to end, he slipped through with ease, and he was the first person who had ever succeeded in passing through the Pitchwater. "'Nothing like a little oil,' said Manabozho to himself. Having by this time come in view of land, he could see the lodge of the shining Manito, high on a distant hill. At the dawn of day he put his clubs and arrows in order, and began his attack, yelling and shouting and beating his drum, and calling out so as to make it appear that he had many followers. "'Surround him! Surround him! Run up! Run up!" He stalked bravely forward, shouting aloud, "'It was you that killed my grandfather!' and shot off a whole forest of arrows. The pearl-feather appeared on the height, blazing like the sun, and paid back Manabozho with a tempest of bolts which rattled like hail. All day long the fight was kept up, and Manabozho had fired all of his arrows but three without effect, for the shining Manito was clothed in pure wampum. It was only by immense leaps to right and left that Manabozho could save his head from the sturdy blows which fell about him on every side, like pine trees, from the hands of the Manito. He was badly bruised, and at his very wit's end, when a large woodpecker flew past and lit on a tree. It was a bird he had known on the prairie, near his grandmother's lodge. "'Manabozho!' called out the woodpecker. "'Your enemy has a weak point. 
shoot at the lock of hair on the crown of his head. The first arrow he shot only drew a few drops of blood. The Manito made one or two unsteady steps, but recovered himself. He began to parley, but Manaboso, now that he had discovered a way to reach him, was in no humour to trifle, and he let slip another arrow, which brought the shining Manito to his knees. Having the crown of his head within good range, Manaboso shot his third arrow, and the Manito fell forward upon the ground, dead. Manaboso called the woodpecker to come and receive a reward for the timely hint he had given him, and he rubbed the blood of the shining Manito on the woodpecker's head, the feathers of which are red to this day. Full of his victory, Manaboso returned home, beating his war-drum furiously and shouting aloud his song of triumph. His grandmother was on the shore to welcome him with the war-dance, which she performed with wonderful skill for one so far advanced in years. End of chapter 2